So whenever I was a child, uh, my father uh, had an American Express card. Uh, and y'all have seen the American Express card. It's a, it's a green American Express card. Uh, and, and it's an amazing little piece of plastic because with an American Express card, you can do anything. I mean, from a child's perspective, at least, you can do literally anything you want, right? And, and at the bottom of my dad's American Express card, it said Lewis G. Higginbotham Jr. That's my dad's name. Uh, and, and I remember one time uh, I was going through my dad's wallet, which is not something that was an approved activity uh, at my house. My parents were very private. I say private people. Uh, I don't... I don't know a lot about my parents. You know, like I, now my dad uh, just recently, my dad was in Vietnam, uh, and just recently did he share anything about his experience over there. And it wasn't like war stories. It was just generally like this is kind of what I experienced uh, as part of the Marines in Vietnam. And so, you know, like I, I know my parents because they, uh, they raised me, but I don't know, know them. And so like I wasn't allowed in their bedroom. Like it was like a, it was a sacrosanct area. I've tried to make that a rule in my house, yet my 18 children don't seem to obey <laughs> that rule. And they all just walk right in anytime they want, right? Uh, but I was looking through my dad's wallet uh, as, as a child. He must have, uh, have left it on the counter or something like that. And I pulled out his American Express card and I started to dream about all the things that I could buy with his American Express card. And I was probably, I, I was in Richmond, so I was probably about 10 years old. I was old enough to know how to spend some money. And I, was, and I was making this list, and about that time, my dad comes in and sees me, and um, he, says, he says, son? And I say, uh, I say and I, I freak out, right? So I'm like putting everything in and acting like I wasn't anywhere near the wallet. <laughs> He's like, what are you doing? And I was like, uh, nothing, nothing. And my dad, has, is, he can be really graceful uh, with how he handles things. Now, he, he, I, I got my share of whoopings as a kid, um, but, but he can be very graceful. I'll, I'll give you an example of that. When, when I first learned to drive, my mom had a big old Chevy Suburban, like a 1995 Chevy Suburban. I mean, a big old tank. And I was driving down a road somewhere, and I ran into a curb. And it wasn't like a curb that's nice. It was like 18 inches tall and flat, like the, the front of it. It was over a bridge that went over Oyster Creek in Sugarland, Texas. And I hit, that, I hit that thing, and the whole car lunges backwards and bubble. But it keeps rolling down the road, and I think, whew, I'm fine. The next day, my dad goes out, and, and he looks at the, the passenger side front tire, and there's an impact bubble on the tire, and there's a dent in, like, the wheel well of the car. And I'm 16. Like, I literally just learned how to drive. My dad's like, son, what happened here? I was like, I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea what happened, right? And my dad's like, it really looks like someone hit something really hard, uh, to cause all this damage. Like, I don't know. And to this day, I've yet to receive that whooping, though I'm sure it's coming um, for that. My dad let it go, right? And so, so at this point, my dad let, let the wallet thing go, and, and, and we went into it. And I said, well, I was just looking at your American Express card, and I was thinking about all the things that, that I could get with that, Dad. And he said, son, the only way you can buy anything with my American Express card is if I give you permission to use it. And I said, well, what does that mean? He's like, well, my name is on it. And it's only good if someone with my name uses it. And, and the idea there is my dad uh, had authority to use that card, and I did not. And so if I had gone to a store somewhere as a 10-year-old and tried to break out an American Express green card on somebody, right, like it would have been rejected immediately, right? They'd be like, no, I'm sorry, 10-year-old. I don't think you've been a member of American Express since 1984, Right? Like, I don't, I, don't think that that's, I don't think that's what you've been up to here. Right? Uh, but my dad said, the authority for that card has been given to me. 
And so I can buy on that, and, and I pay it BALF every month uh, because, because that's, that's my agreement with them. You don't have that agreement. You don't have the authority to do that. Authority is a pretty big deal. Who has the authority to do things? Who has the authority to tell us what to do? Who, who has the authority over our lives? Uh, in general, is an important feature of our lives. Today, we're going to look at the question of authority. Jesus is, is going, uh, uh, now he's in Jerusalem. We're in Mark chapter 11 and 12 today. So if you have your Bible, open up to Mark chapter 11. We're at the end of chapter 11, starting verse 27. Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's, he's dealing with the issues of the temple. Remember last week, he, he got all the animals kicked out of the temple and turned over the tables and the money changers, kind of creating havoc in that environment. And the temple environment was kind of a corrupt environment at that day and age where people were making all the money they could off of religious people um, so that they could fund their own private enterprises. And so Jesus is there, and he's just uh, run out all of these animals and cleansed the temple, and it's the next day after that. And he walks back into the temple, and people um, show up. In verse 27 it says, And they, that's Jesus and the disciples, came again to Jerusalem. And as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him. And they said to him, by what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? And Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and then I'll tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, if we say it's from heaven, uh, then he'll say, well, why didn't you believe him? But if we say it's from man, they were afraid of the people, for everyone held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. And Jesus said to them, well, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Now, Jesus has been doing miracles and works. And then last week he went in and he cleaned out the whole temple, right, the day before. And so he goes back into the temple the day after he kind of ruined everyone's business for that day, and they walk up to him, and these are the leaders, the chief priests, the scribes, the elders, the most elite people in that religious society. They walk up to Jesus and say, who gives you the authority to do the things that you're doing? You come in here into this place, and you start turning over tables and running people out and acting like you're in charge of everything. Who gives you that authority? Right? And that question matters because if Jesus had the authority, if he said, oh, well, actually the high priest, you know, Ananias, gave me the authority to take care of this, they'd be like, oh, well, Ananias is in charge of the whole temple mount. We didn't know Ananias gave you that authority. That's fine. Why don't you go right ahead and do what you got to do, Jesus? Right? And if he just said, I'm taking the authority on myself, well, they, then they would come back and say, well, you don't really have that authority to take it on yourself to be in charge. You're just a regular guy. Right? And so, so they're asking, why do you think you can do these things. Jesus' authority came from his position, right? His relationship to the Father. That's where his authority came from. We'll find that out in a little bit more detail in a second. But they wanted to know, who gives you the right to do what you're trying to do right now? What makes you think you can do these things right now, Jesus? Who gives you that right? And Jesus doesn't want to respond directly to them, and so he responds back with a question. There's something for us here today, right? Sometimes we're argumentative. Me, y'all, y'all are not argumentative. I'm argumentative, and I want to run back at people, and I want to, I want to get right on them. And so they ask me a question. I'm going to answer their question, and then I'm going to get on them. Right? I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I went into youth Wednesday night, and there was some like, little seven-year-old kid running around like a maniac. Uh, and I walked in, and he's like got a dodgeball in the foyer out there right and I was like take the balls in the gym what are you doing out here and he looked at me says who are you and I'm like who am I (laughs) 
God. And I said, I'm in charge. Get in there. Right? And then I, and then I, I may or may not have threatened him a little bit after that. But, um, right, right. Like, who am I? Like, I was so, uh, so upset that he would have the audacity, and he really was probably a little seven-year-old kid, asking me, who am I? Like, he has anywhere near the, the right to ask me that question, right? But he wanted to know, do I even need to listen to you? Like, do you matter? Or are you just some random old person showing up right now? Like, who do you think you are telling me what to do? And so Jesus uh, is better than Matt, this is, a, this is a lesson we can all learn today, right? Jesus is better than me. He's better than you. And so when, he's respond, when he has a, a, a question asked to him, he doesn't respond in the natural way like I do, right? He responds in a wiser way. And he says, okay, you want to talk about authority. You want to talk about who has the power to do what. I'll ask you one question about authority. If you answer that question honestly then I'll give you my answer about where my authority comes from. And then he talks about the baptism of John. And y'all remember John the Baptist, right? He was a, uh, the pre, uh, pre-runner for Jesus. He prepared the way for Jesus. He baptized Jesus out in the wilderness. He was kind of a big deal, but the religious people didn't care much for him because like Jesus, he was outside of their control, right? They controlled everyone in this street, and John was doing stuff over here, and so they didn't trust him. Uh, and so, but the people loved John. And so he said, well, who gave Jesus, was John's authority or baptism, right? Where, where, did, where did his power for the baptism come from? Did it come from God or did it come from man? And they're like, well, we don't want to answer that question. Because any answer we give could get us in trouble. If we say it's from God, then you're going to say, well, why didn't you trust him and, and listen to him and repent and be baptized like he said? But their real big fear is if they answered honestly. They didn't believe John's power for baptism came from God. They thought it was just by man. And they said, if we say that, if we say that his power comes from man, well, then you know what? The people are going to get mad at us and freak out. And the, these leaders have a very, like, tenuous control of the temple situation. Right? The only reason they have power is because the people allow them to have power. Right? Think about politicians today. Right? The only reason that we have politicians in power today is because we have vested them with power. And that's why they pander every chance they get. Right? They, they don't like to answer tough questions. Right? That, that can be somewhat polarizing. They'll, they'll, they'll hem and haw. Watch a debate sometime. Right? We've got the Democratic debates going on right now. Go watch the, the, the two dozen Democrats up there um, debating to see uh, who, who's going to run for president. And listen to how they answer questions. Right? There's a lot of pandering. Right? Like, what is the least offensive thing I can say to talk to the right people that I need to come out and vote for me uh, whenever the primary season comes to an end, right? That's all it's about. And so these leaders are kind of like that. They're really beholden to the people. They don't want the people to, to become a mob and turn out and kill them all. And so they're like, well, we don't know what to say. We don't know how to answer your question, Jesus. And Jesus says, well, I'm not going to answer your question either. And then immediately after Jesus says, I'm not going to answer your question, he's like, but I am going to tell you a story. And Jesus' story is a direct answer to their question. So let's read this parable here in chapter 12. He says, He began to speak to them in parables, and he said, A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it, and he dug a pit for the wine press, and he built a tower, and he leased it to tenants. And then he went to another country. So he builds the, the vineyard, he builds the tower, he makes it all ready, and he leases it out for other people to run it. And when the season came, he sent a servant to his tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. So it was time for them to pay their rent with a, a little bit of what they made. So maybe 20% of all the, the crop goes to them, 
uh, goes to the, the owner, and the 80% is for the people who work the land. We don't know the arrangement, but it was time for them to pay their share so they could remain on the land. So he sends the servant to them, and they took him, and they beat him, and they sent him away empty-handed. That's not very nice. And again, the man who owned it sent to them another servant, and they struck him on the head, and they treated him shamefully. So he sent another one, and they killed him. And so with many others, some they beat, some they killed, he had still one other, a beloved son. And finally, he sent him to them, saying, they will respect my son. So imagine the situation in this story. Right? He plants the vineyard. He, see, he, he owns this. All the vineyard is his. But he's letting these guys lease it. So he says, let's go get our little bit from them. And they don't want to give it to him. They don't want to give it to this servant or that servant or this servant. They're beating them and killing them and beating them and killing them. And so he's like, you know what? I got one guy that I can send my son. Right? Because my son, when he shows up, he represents me. There's no question about that. Right? He is me embodied in a person, right? He's got my name, he's got my ring, he wears my clothes, he lives in my house. I will send my son. And if I send my son, surely they'll listen to him. Of course they're going to listen to him because he comes with the authority of the owner of the vineyard. And so he sends him, but the tenants, verse 7, said to one another, this is the heir Come, let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. Now, I don't know ancient Jewish inheritance rights, but I'm pretty sure if you murder someone, you don't get to steal what they had, right? Their understanding of inheritance law was probably not that great, but they planned to kill the son because they thought if they killed him, maybe the owner would just give up and let them own it for themselves. So they took him and they killed him. They threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and he'll destroy the tenants and he'll give the vineyard to others. Have you not read the scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it's marvelous in our eyes. And going back from that story, (coughs) the leaders were seeking to arrest him, but again they feared the people for they perceived that he had told the parable against them, so they left him and they went away. They asked Jesus where his authority came from. Jesus said, I'm not going to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you a story. And the story is about this this vineyard that's owned by this person. And this man owns everything in the vineyard, and he's letting other people use it. He's generously allowing other people to use what he owns for their benefit, for their good, for their purposes. And this vineyard, by the way, just so you understand what the literal meaning of this is, is the temple itself. Right, like the temple, this holy spot, like it's God's. God owns it. God bought it. That mountain was won by the, by, by, by the mighty arm of, of Yahweh. That is his mountain. That was his temple. But he allowed other people, the Jewish people at this point in time, to use it, to, to, to be tenants on it, to care for it. Right? And they were allowed to receive from that and live on that, and to benefit from that, from the goodness of God. But there was a time when God would send them people to tell them, hey, I need you to do this instead of this. And if you read the Old Testament, you have prophet after prophet who come. And I'm reminded of like the prophet Jeremiah, right? Jeremiah is the, the weeping prophet, and he, he comes in, he's like, hey guys, we're going to have 70 years of captivity, 
And the leaders of the area like beat him and throw him in stocks and make his life miserable because he tells them exactly what God said. Like, we have been wicked. We're going to have a rough run. And then God's going to restore us out of that. And everyone hates to hear it and they get mad at him. And so they just run him, run him out of the place. And this happened to prophet after prophet after prophet. Read the stories of the prophets. Elijah is a great prophet, right? He would go and he would show up to Ahab and Ahab, this is what needs to happen. And Ahab's like, I'm going to kill you. So Elijah would have to run away, right? Because, because he was treated shamefully. Over and over and over again, the prophets were mistreated by God. The, the Jewish people, the people who are in charge of the, the, that area of the world that God had given to them for their benefit, for their good, for their purposes, right? He just wanted a little bit back in return from them, right? He'd given it all to them to use. And they, they misused it. And so he said, I'm going to send my son. That's Jesus Christ. I'm going to send my son. Surely they'll listen to him. But they didn't, right? We're, no, we're, we're inside of a week from the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. This is probably Wednesday if the days, maybe it's Tuesday, um, if the days track exactly right. So this is, what, two days before the Lord's Supper, three days before the crucifixion. It's coming very, very quickly. I mean, the people don't know it's that close to happening. But it's coming very quickly, the end of this story about Jesus and what he's up to. And Jesus says, when the sun came, the people who, who were leasing that, they thought, this is our opportunity to take control of this forever. And they didn't recognize that the sun, he came with the authority of the Father. You know, I talked about my dad with that American Express card, right? He, he had that American Express card with his name on it. But when I was 16, uh, I got a, uh, it was a, what was it? A, I'm going to say it's a, a Valero card. Uh, but it might have been a different gas station. But it was a, it was a Valero gas card. And, on the, it, it, and it said my dad's name. And then underneath it, it said my name. And so I could go to the gas station and I could get gas for my 1998 Ford Explorer. Or Ford Ranger at that time. And I could, and I could, and I could get gas in my, my Ford Ranger. And, and I could buy stuff. And it's not because I had credit. Right? I didn't have any credit with the Valero bank, whoever owns that thing, right? But it's because my dad's name mattered. And then my dad had given me authority to use that, so my name was on the card too. So I could swipe that card, and I could get what I needed because my dad was backing it up. And every month, my dad apparently saw a bill and paid it, I guess. I don't know. I assume that's what happened, right? But, but, but the authority for that, my authority to use that card, was given to my dad. Jesus shows up at the temple, and he shows up with the authority of the Father. Right? He's, the, he's, the, he's the son of God. He's the son of David. He's the one who's coming to rectify all these things. And the people who are in charge are so scared of what he represents that they say, we don't want you to mess this up. We'll just kill you instead. And at the end of his parable, those people seek a way to destroy him. Right? Their whole purpose after they hear the parable is like, we're going to find a way to destroy this guy because he's in the way. Guys, here's, here's, here's the point of this passage. Right? We all are underneath authority, right? And there's authority that matters, and there's authority that, 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 that doesn't really matter. People try to pretend to be authorities, and they're, and they're really just little pontiffs that don't, don't. But God's word is our authority. Like, I, we're people of the book, right? And so, like, I read God's word uh, every day. I try to consume uh, three or four chapters every day just to make sure that I'm in it and that I'm understanding what God has to say to me. But this is my authority, and, you know, there's a lot of times when I don't like what, what it says. Uh, I, I say this, and some people are like, well, that's not good to say you don't like what the Bible says. But there's times I, I read it, and I'm like, man, I don't, that's tough. 
There's tough things in there. There's tough sayings of Jesus Christ, right? There's, there's things, if you just read Jesus, what he says, there's some things that are really difficult for us to put into practice day to day, right? You know, like a, if your right arm causes you to sin, cut it off and, and throw it into the, the, the fire, right? The idea is like, well, I'm not, I wouldn't have an arm, right? I wouldn't have a hand. I'd be totally blind, right? And, and that's some hyperbole, but the truth is like the sin that's being talked about there is very serious, and I don't like that. I wish there was a nicer, gentler, kinder way to do some of these things, but, but my authority says that's not the way it is, and so I, I submit to this. I submit to this authority, because you know what happens if you don't submit to, to, to righteous authority? The same thing that's going to happen to these scribes and these Pharisees. Right, the end of the parable tells that the owners of the vineyard, the owner of the vineyard is going to come, and the people who have thrown off his authority are going to be destroyed. That's how it's going to end for them. If you live your life shunning righteous authority, whether it's God's word or the will of God for your life, you are putting yourself at risk for that. I want you, I want you to be warned by this, guys. You should be a little bit fearful of what that means for you. Because God has the authority. And if we, if we each say, well, I don't like that, so I'm going to live this way, even though I know this is how we're supposed to be, even though this is clearly what God says, right? You're basically saying, God, I don't, I don't trust what you have to say. I'm going to do things my way. And if you do that, you're living opposed to his authority. He will come and he'll take care of that problem. But the good news on the other side of this is if we submit to his authority, right? Look at how generous he is. The whole beginning of the parable shows the generosity of God. He gives them the vineyard. Did those guys have to work for the vineyard? Did they have to plant the vineyard? Did they have to, to... No, no, all they had to do was show up, harvest the grapes when it was season time, and then make all the wine that they wanted, right? Their, their work, the big work, the building of the stuff, the tilling of the soil, the planting of the vineyard, that was done for them. God does the work for us to receive beautiful blessings if we'll live underneath His authority. But if we throw that authority off and we live for ourselves... We put ourselves at, at, at odds with the good, loving God. God wants you to have good thing. God wants you to have a, a happy, blessed life. Happy is a weird word. I don't want to use that too aggressively here. But God wants you to live a life that, that, that is blessed. He desires to give you a life that's blessed. But sometimes we don't experience what that's like because we live a life for ourselves. So today I want you to live underneath the authority of Jesus Christ. I want you to live underneath the authority of his word. And the best way to do that, the best way to assure that you're living underneath the authority of God's word is to know God's word. Uh, my mother-in-law and father-in-law were at my house this weekend. They were watching uh, my kids while Danielle and I were doing some training uh, in Georgetown yesterday. And um, we were talking about church and different things like that. And one of the things that I said was, you know, I could stand up most Sundays and I feel like, like a lot of times I could preach a first century heresy. And what I mean is like a heresy, that uh, heresy is wrong teaching about God. Something that's been around since the very beginning. Arianism, something like that. That's an old school heresy. And I think it, it might take weeks before anyone comes to me and says, Hey Matt, I think that's wrong. And one of the reasons that I think that is for, for a lot of us is because like when we, we don't know God that well. We don't know him that well. And, you know, I, I, sit and, I sit and listen to things, and I, I read a lot, and I have a real sensitive nature. Like, uh, my palate is very sensitive to bad teaching. 
That's why whenever I say things like, God wants you to be happy, I'm like, well, I don't mean it quite like you probably think I mean it, right? Because my palate is sensitive to bad teaching. I feel it. I hear it, right? And so as soon as I hear it, I'm like, that's wrong. That's not right. Like, I know heresy because it just jumps out at me when I see it because I, I know God's word. It's part of who I am. My prayer is that that becomes who you are. Some of you have read God's Word uh, tons more than I have. You've been in God's Word a longer time. Maybe you're even closer uh, in, in orthodoxy than I am. But for a lot of us, our whole biblical formation is what we get here on Sunday morning and maybe a prayer at night, maybe a verse of the day that someone you know, posts up on Twitter or Facebook that we read as we go through. Now, if that's the extent of your spiritual formation, guys, you're never truly going to know what God desires for your life. And then you can say, well, I live underneath the authority of God's word, but you don't, because you don't know God's word enough to live underneath his authority. I'm going to challenge you to read God's word, right? Take it home. If you don't have a Bible, like steal one from here. We've got some in the pews around you. Steal one. I, I promise I won't, I won't hold, you, hold you liable for it, okay? Um, if you want a nicer Bible, uh, tell me, and I'll, I'll get you uh, the Higginbotham Standard. You get one of these just like this, okay? Um, but read it. Fall in love with it. Like the way I read my Bible is I read it on my phone, right? Every day, I'm just scrolling. Uh, I used to say that was a terrible way to do that, uh, and then I started doing it. I was like, this actually works really well for me. Um, so my judgmentalism is, is, is tough. I study. When I study, I study here, but when I read, I read on my phone. Um, whatever it is, read his word. Get it in you. Consume it so that you can live underneath God's authority because we want to be the people who inherit the vineyard. Right, when God kicked out those other people, right, he put other people on the vineyard. Other people were allowed to take over. That's you and me, Gentiles, in, in the case of the story. We're allowed to take over. So take ownership of that and be productive for God. God has a purpose for you today, guys. But if you choose to live outside of God's authority, just know if you reject God's authority, he'll reject you. But if you accept God's authority, he has beautiful gifts for you that he does from his goodness. Let's pray.